I want to encourage you now to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Continue our sermon series this Christmas season as we're looking at the songs of Christmas, uh, specifically from Luke's Gospel. Luke, chapter 2, our text will be verses 13 and 14 of this chapter, but we're going to read in just a moment verses 8 through 20 so that you have the entire context to see uh, these verses in. So Luke chapter 2, uh, we'll be reading in verses 8 through 20 in just a moment, but let's ask you this question. How many of you took meaningful action this morning based upon something you heard in the news? Just think about that. Some of you are thinking, I didn't even watch the news or hear the news. How many of you took some meaningful action today based upon something you heard in the news, or maybe something you've heard even this week in the news, some meaningful action? It's interesting that so much of our energy and time is often given to something like news that I would say rarely leads us to meaningful action. That's not always the case. I mean, this week, for example, news has informed how I've dressed. News has informed, specifically as I've thought about Syria, how I've prayed. But when you look at news as a whole, by and large, the news that we read and hear is largely disconnected from our everyday experience and life. Neil Postman, in a book written several years ago called Amusing Ourselves to Death, it's a great book that parents should actually read with teenagers. Amusing Ourselves to Death, he said, how often does it occur that information provided you on morning radio or television or in the morning newspaper causes you to alter your plans for the day or take some action you would not otherwise have taken? or provides insight into some problem you are required to solve. For most of us, news of weather will sometimes have such consequences. For investors, news of the stock market, perhaps an occasional story about crime will do it if by chance the crime occurred near where you lived or involved someone you knew. But most of our daily news is in er consisting of information that gives us something to talk about, but cannot lead to any meaningful action. And on top of all of that, think about how much of the news we receive today is marked by certain bias and agenda. Not to mention the lovely development of fake news. But friends, even in light of all of that, we need to understand while much of the news we receive is tainted by certain worldviews and perspectives, we should not conclude that all news is bad. In fact, Our very existence as believers in Jesus Christ is based upon news, isn't it? Good news. Today we come to our third message in the Songs of Christmas series, and as we've looked at Mary's song in last week's Zechariah's prophecy, we come now to what we could say is the angel song, a a song in response to to the good news they declared to certain shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. So let's look at Luke chapter 2. I want to read in verses 8 through 20. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. 
Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. This is the word of the Lord. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. Here in Luke's account of that night, the angel of the Lord, we're told, appeared to certain shepherds in a field with some breaking news. In verse 10, the angel pronounces, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy. And listen, not only is it good news, much different than what we hear today, isn't it? Not only was it good news, it was news that resulted in a great joy, and it was for everyone. It will be for all the people, meaning Jew and Gentile, all kinds of people. Compare that to the news we hear today. It rarely results in joy. It's definitely geared toward a particular political persuasion, depending on who you listen to and what you watch. And rarely, or at least not every time, does it lead to some kind of meaningful action. Immediately, in this account, this was good news resulting in great joy, and it led to meaningful action, didn't it, on behalf of the shepherds and certainly the angels. And the angels, even as they were declaring this news, couldn't help but break out in worship. And that's certainly the song that we want to look at there in verses 13 and 14 this morning. It's a song of praise. In fact, there are two simple observations that I think we should see from this song. We could, we could refer to it as the priority of praise and the provision of peace. This is what we find in this song, the, the priority of praise and the provision of peace. Or you could think about it this way, what, what was the great purpose of the good news that the angels declared to the shepherds? This good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. What was the purpose of this news? Well, the purpose was for God's glory and our peace. Pretty straightforward. This is exactly what the angels are celebrating. The, the good news delivered to the shepherds, the good news of the gospel that we preach and proclaim today is for the glory of God and for the peace of man. This is exactly what we see declared in the angels' song. Let's look at those two points this morning as we spend our time together here in God's Word. Look first at what we call the priority of praise. The priority of praise. I think it's important for us to consider who it was that was breaking out in worship. These were angels. 
First, we have the angel of the Lord, and then later, a, a, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. These were angels, and perhaps you don't see that as a big deal. After all, there are angels surrounding the throne night and day, giving God glory for who he is, singing, holy, holy, holy. Let's think about this for a moment. Because I think that our view of angels has often been badly swayed from time to time. Whether it's precious moments or the average Christmas pageant, our view of angels has certainly been uh, influenced to help us see them a bit differently than the Bible would portray. We typically think of angels, we think of the chubby, baby-faced creatures donning a gold or silver, silver halo. Or perhaps we may think of a, an adult angel with long, flowing hair. Something you would see in a glamour magazine. Friends, when you look at the pages of Scripture and you see an angel or see the description of what's taking place, listen to a couple of passages just that, that came to mind. First Chronicles in chapter 21. First Chronicles chapter 21, this is right after David authorized a census to be taken. And God did not authorize David to authorize a census. And so he was acting in disobedience to God. So David authorizes the sentence, the census, counting the number, counting the people that God did not authorize, and seventy thousand men in Israel was slaughtered. This is what we read in that passage. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, it is enough, now stay your hand. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth and in his hand a drawn sword stretched over Jerusalem. Or we could go to the book of 2 Kings where in a single night the angel of the Lord took out 185,000 Assyrians. It's one and a half times the population of St. Mary's County. One night, one angel, 185,000 dead. Or we could go to the Exodus during the Passover, the angel of the Lord, where he was active there in killing all of the firstborn of the Egyptians. Or we could go to the Garden of Eden, where we see the angel there put on guard with a flaming sword guarding the way into the tree of life. Now you begin to understand that whenever an angel showed up, why there was immediate fear. Why people were immediately terrified when they stood before an angel. I mean, these were God's messengers, but they were, they were messengers that were packing. They were not some chubby little creature, cute little creature that, that you were, oh, how cute. No, you were on your face in fear. And here we find not just one of these mysterious, terrifying creatures, but a multitude of them praising God. Same beings that God created to be his messengers and, and to, to oftentimes bring destruction to a disobedient people. These same glorious, powerful, terrifying creatures are now breaking out in a worship service singing praise to God. 
Remember the, the angels had a little bit more to go on at this point than the shepherds did, or even Mary and Joseph. I mean, after all, they had known the Son of God in his pre-incarnate form. They had known the Son of God before he became a man, before he became a baby. They knew the fullness of his glory. They knew the, the fullness of his authority. And now as they saw the only begotten Son lying in this human form in a manger, this humble community called Bethlehem, these ferocious, glorious, powerful, terrifying beings, when they saw the Son of God laying as a baby in the manger, all they could do is worship. All they could do is worship. Friends, think about this for a moment. The angels are created beings. God created them. Created beings. But they, they will never need forgiveness. The third of the angels rebelled against God from heaven and, and followed Satan. There's, there's no hope of redemption for an angel. There's no such thing as forgiveness of sins for an angel. Angels will never know what it's like to need forgiveness, and yet they are rejoicing in the gospel. They will never benefit directly from the work that Jesus came to accomplish on the cross and through his resurrection, but they still love the gospel and celebrate the good news. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, while salvation was not something the angels would ever need or receive, it was something that they longed to look into. And friends, if, if, if angels, these gloriously powerful, mysterious, sword-yielding beings that need no forgiveness can't help but break out in celebration and praise for the greatness of God in bringing salvation, how much more ought we who are the direct recipients of God's grace and forgiveness because of what Jesus came to accomplish? We are the very ones who were the object of God's mercy. The angels are celebrating and rejoicing and worshiping in someone and in something that they will never directly know regarding forgiveness, and yet they can't help but praise God. How much more ought we because of the very thing that God has done to forgive you and me of our sins and to establish us in a right relationship with God? It's an amazing thing to consider. They announced to the shepherds that this was the good news of great joy. Friend, I just remind you that God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of a celebration. The angels knew it and they broke out in song. The, the, if you continue to read this passage, you see several kinds of responses. The angels were singing and praising God. The shepherds, they heard the news. They went to investigate the news and then they returned glorifying and praising God as well. As Mary was able to, to, to reflect upon what was going on, she, we're told, responded by treasuring these things in her heart and pondering them at a deeper level and just, just basking in the greatness and goodness of God. There were others around, I think it's in verse 18, where we're told that, that those that the shepherds told wondered at what the shepherds told them. So there were some that, that heard about this news and they were amazed by it, but 
but not necessarily amazed to the point of celebration and worship. They were intrigued. They were interested. They wondered, oh, wow, what's going on? But, but that was about the extent of it. There are many ways to respond to the good news. Many ways for us to respond. We respond in celebration and worship. We respond by contemplating at a deeper level what these things mean. Or maybe you're here today and you think, well, these things are quite amazing. But that's about as far as you go. Or maybe you're here today and, and you hear these things and it doesn't sound like good news to you. And this news that we hear about this baby born in Bethlehem, this is news worth celebrating and worth treasuring. Notice, notice here, and I don't think this is by accident, you have the angels, some of the most exalted, glorious, powerful beings created by God, praising Him. And you have the shepherds, some of the most humble, lowliest creatures created by God, praising Him. Opposite ends of the spectrum, glorious beings, humble beings, created by God, those who were without sin and yet basking in God's goodness and glory, and those who were with sin, needing God's grace and favor, all responding the same way, glorifying and praising God. As I know that Christmas can often be a demanding and stressful time. I know that planning for family gatherings or gift exchanges or this and that can be tense moments. Some of you right now are getting your blood pressure worked up even thinking about it. But friends, if you are not led to worship God because of what He has done, then your heart needs to be engaged with the gospel. You may be a Christian. You may be a Christian, and you're just smothering under the demands and tensions and pressures that this season often brings with all of the things that we add to it, and you're just smothering underneath of that. And, and what you need right now is just a, a reminder, just a reminder that, that God has become a man so that your sins could be forgiven so that you can be accepted by a holy and righteous God who has every right to condemn you. But he doesn't because he loves you and he gave his son to demonstrate his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christians, as we go through that this season, and not just this season, but every day that God gives us breath, if our hearts are not yielding and not being humbled by how great and good God is, and if we're not responding in celebration, friends, we need so desperately by God's grace to be brought back to where we can see him for who he is and what he's done. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. In a, in a group this size, there's, there's always the reality that in a group this size, there's always non-Christians present. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we're, first of all, so thankful that you're here. Uh, we, we, we encourage non-Christians to be here with us. And what I would just simply tell you this, this morning is that if you're here today and you're not a believer, this is the greatest news you will ever hear. I may not be the greatest speaker you will ever hear. I, I can almost bank on that. 
And, and I may not be the greatest deliverer of this news that you will ever hear, but listen, friends, this is the greatest news you will ever hear. That God loved the world so much that he was willing to give his only begotten son to come and live the life we all should have lived and he died the death we all deserve to die. So that if you would simply quit trusting in yourself and quit looking to the hope found in this world because there is none except in Christ. If you would look to Jesus and trust in him and embrace him as savior and Lord of your life, he will forgive you of your sins and adopt you into his family and you will be reconciled to God forever. That is the good news for you, friend. Believe in Christ, trust in him, and you will be saved. The priority of praise, but we also see the provision of peace. You know, if I were to ask what you think humanity's greatest need is, I would dare say we would get a lot of different responses. Or maybe, maybe, maybe if we just ask a, a group in general. We did a poll, right? You know how accurate polls are. We did a poll asking how, what is humanity's greatest need? I would say we would get all kinds of responses. Well, we need a better economy. We need to see matters of justice given more attention to, ending poverty. We need more uh, ra racial reconciliation. We need the defeat of Islamic extreme, extremism. And on and on we can go. And certainly these are things that we ought to discuss and must lean into as Christians. But friends, listen. Our greatest need is for sinners to be reconciled to a holy God. That is the greatest need anyone ever has. Your greatest need is for you to have peace with God. That is your greatest need. That is exactly what we're told in God's word. We, our greatest problem is that we are born enemies of God. This is our greatest problem, but in the kindness of God, he sent forth his son to redeem us, listen, Colossians 1 verse 20, by making peace with us by the blood of his cross. This is what God has done for us. And the angels are declaring, listen, this peace has arrived. This peace has arrived. We know that Isaiah spoke of this peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7, speaking of the coming Messiah, said of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. Your greatest need, friend, is to have peace with God for you as a sinner to be made right with the holy God. That is your greatest need. And we read in verse 14, glory to God in the highest. There's the priority of praise and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I know that King James says, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. The NIV, which I think is actually the closest in, in, in what it's trying to express here, says, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's exactly what's being expressed here. The point being highlighted is that because of this good news of a baby born in Bethlehem, there will now be peace for those on whom God's favor rests. Even the prophet Micah anticipated this work of peace hundreds of years earlier. Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, I believe it's there in verses 2 through 5a. Listen to what Micah prophesied. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. 
Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And listen, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. It's our greatest need is to be at peace with God. This is this, this way that the angels were declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased or peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests was just another way of referring to those who were objects of God's sovereign mercy. A way to refer to those who would be saved. Friends, I know that many of us, when we think of, of peace, we have different ideas, don't we? We often think about the need for peace in family conflict, peace in our racially divided communities, peace between Republicans and Democrats, if that's even possible. Peace by means of treaties between warring nations. Sometimes we're looking for inner peace just in our own hearts. You, know, you think about the political peace that, that we often think is, is, is something to pursue. That's exactly what the people of Israel were anticipating with the coming of the Messiah. They were anticipating a Messiah who would come and bring about a political government established peace. And Jesus was their guy. And again, your greatest hope for peace will never be solved politically or through any human government. Your greatest hope for peace comes from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one whom we call Prince of Peace. He is the one who will give you what you need. See, this is why I don't have a lot of hope in matters of peace and justice being resolved fully through any government, even our own. Friends, if people aren't looking first and foremost to the Prince of Peace, any hope of lasting peace between people can be forgotten. This is why the church must not only preach the gospel, but why we must also embody the gospel as we lean into matters that keep people divided and at odds. This is why people of the gospel, we ought to lean into matters of justice. Because we have the only source of good news that will bring lasting change and lasting hope and lasting peace to a broken and fallen world. And again, our greatest problem is not a broken economy or overpriced health care, who's residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's the fact that you, as a sinner, are at odds with the holy God, and so is everyone else. And yet God in his favor has sent his son into the world to bring peace between people like you and me, but most importantly, between us and him. Friends, look to him and find your true and lasting peace. And when you have peace with God, know that by that peace and unity that you have in Christ, that then through the peace you have with God vertically, you're going to then be able to have peace horizontally with your fellow man. That's why all kinds of peace and reconciliation and anything we hope to do of good in this world must be gospel driven if it's going to last. provision of peace. God gives us peace with him first and foremost and then with others. This is a song celebrating the two great purposes for what the good news exists for. 
the, 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 the two great purposes in the good news that the angels celebrated was that God has done this for his own glory and for your peace with him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's a song of praise and it's a song of peace. Friends, are you singing songs of praise and do you know God's peace this season? As I know in a world filled with bad news and fake news and all kinds of other news, let us be reassured that there is good news, that there is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And we have every reason to rejoice and celebrate for God has done great things. You know, we're told in verse 20 that after the shepherds visited and saw what the Lord had told them, that they returned glorifying, praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And I wonder if that could be said of us today. As we leave here, will you be praising God and celebrating all that he has done for you? Will you? As you go into this stressful season, maybe it's not stressful for you. Maybe you're one of the, one of the ones that actually sails through this Christmas season with zero stress. Thank God for you. I mean that. Friend, there is no greater joy than to know that God has given his son for us. And there is no greater glory to be given than that glory which God deserves and he alone. And if you were to know peace this Christmas season, it will not come from some news flash that you watch on the TV. It will come from this news that was declared by this angel. For, I behold, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. God's glory and our peace. That's what we have to celebrate this year, this season. Not just this year and this season, but every day that God gives us breath. Let's celebrate God. Let's delight in him and let's know his peace. And as people of his peace, let's be a people of peace as we seek to be peacemakers in this world for the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and we do praise you. Father, our praise, our worship, and our celebration of you is often hindered by our sinful hearts. Lord, our praise is, is not quite like the angels' praise. It's often, it's often smothered by our own selfishness and our own pride and our own, our own struggles. So, Father, would you move in our hearts today? Would you expose in us maybe areas of sin and where we need to repent and come before you, Lord. Father, maybe we're here today and we're Christians and we, we've been following Jesus for many years, but Lord, we just find our souls dry of celebration and dry of worship. Father, my prayer is that this word just would just be balm to our souls today, that we would be reminded of your greatness and your goodness, of your grace, that we would be reminded of the peace that we have now with God because of what you've done through Christ. So Lord, would you help us to be a, a joyful people, a people of celebration, a people of joy. God, 
Help our hearts to be moved by the gospel today. And Lord, if there are, if there are people in this room right now that, that maybe they, they aren't Christians or maybe they, they've been wrestling with the gospel for a season and Lord, would you even now in their hearts just awaken them and, and just give them that, that yearning for hope. And Father, in that yearning, would you satisfy it with Christ? that they may know you and walk with you today. Father, we thank you that you've made peace with us through the blood of the cross, through what you've done through Christ. Father, would you help us now to respond in praise and as a people who know peace, that you may be glorified and that the world may be served. We pray this in Christ's name.